Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome back to the program today. Thank you again for taking time to join in and watch us. Uh, we are on several networks several times a week on both DISH, DirecTV, uh, a lot of cable outlets. You could go to my website for a full listing of the channels and times that we are on. Uh, also, if you have just caught this someplace and you don't get this on your regular cable, you can view anything that we have aired to date is archived on our YouTube channel and there is a direct link from my website to our YouTube channel, also to our iTunes feed and to our RSS for your Android device so that you can get the audio and the video of the programs. Uh, I've had on the program with me for the last several weeks uh, my oldest son, Jeremy, who is the pastor of Word That Frees Church in Winchester, Virginia. They meet every week on Monday night at the Woodsman of the World uh, building on Boundary Road uh, in Winchester, Virginia. And you would be blessed to go by and be in one of their services or their meetings. Also, we are coming to a city near you. I don't mention this too much, but I need to, I guess. And that is that we travel all the time. So I am in a different location almost every week, and my itinerary is posted on my website, and it's already on the screen there. Uh, come and meet us somewhere. We love it. We have just so enjoyed so many, uh, meeting uh, many of our television audience, and you will more than likely, depending on where I'm at, get to meet me if you come to one of these, because uh, we don't most of the time are not ushered off to the side somewhere. We usually try to uh, spend some time uh, getting to know folks. So come tell us that you've been watching the TV program. It really encourages us to see you in one of our meetings. And like I said, those uh, I itineraries are up on our website. Uh, but uh, we, we're, we've been talking about in the last several weeks, uh, we've been talking about Matthew 3, John the Baptist talking about repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We dealt with that and pretty well, I think, exhausted that subject. Uh, we are now dealing with the fourth chapter of Matthew where Jesus, having come up out of the waters of Jordan, the Spirit of God descends on him like a dove. And the Father says, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And then Jesus is in this wilderness, and he is there to be tempted of the devil. Let me just go here and uh, read it for you. Uh, it said, Then Jesus was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness. This is after he comes up out of the waters of the Jordan River to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days, 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. When the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command these, these stones be made bread. But he answered, said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil takes him up into the holy city, sets him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast yourself down, for it is written, He will give his angels charge concerning thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil takes him up into an exceeding high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaves him, but behold, angels came and ministered unto him. 
When Jesus heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. Uh, let me skip on down because there's a few things that I want to uh, get to. Uh, let me just skip to verse 17. It says, For from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, same message John preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's within your reach. It's within your grasp. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. He said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They straightway left their nets, followed him. Going on from thence, they saw two other, and it was James, the son of Zebedee, John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. They immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Jesus went out uh, about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogue and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. His fame went throughout all Syria and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments and those which were possessed with devils and those which were lunatic and those that had the palsy and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee, Decapolis and from Jerusalem and from Judea and from beyond the Jordan River. And uh, he begins then to teach them the Beatitudes. Now let me, let me just dive into this a little bit. When Jesus began to, uh, first of all, he receives his identity, we established that in the last program, from his father. The father said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well placed. And the affirmation of that father is what gives us identity. In the new covenant, we don't find our identity from turning stones into bread, or if I could say it like this, we don't get our identity from rules on rocks, yeah. and, and uh, uh, we don't we, we we don't have anything to prove. We simply hear the Father. The Father said, "You're my son," before He ever performed a miracle or anything. One of the things that I want to go after a little bit in this particular segment is where He tells Him, "You know, all the kingdoms of the world are mine to give you if you'll fall down and worship Me." And for me, this is a real personal story because to me, I think, and I want to say this, I think to, uh, especially to any young preachers or pastors that might be watching me, your greatest, your greatest temptation and test is not in your failure, it's in your success. It's when you finally have made it to success, what you do with success. And so what the devil is doing with Jesus is testing him with, he's testing him with the lust of the eyes the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And he is making him try to do something to prove his identity. Now, let, let me just see if I can unpack this a little bit. You know, in, in other words, you know, in my own personal journey, uh, coming up under legalism, and coming up under, uh, you know, the abusiveness of a religious system that always told you what you were not. It, it, it destroyed my sense of value, self-esteem, and self-worth until I always felt like I'm second class or second rate. Actually, that empowered me whenever, you know, I, I finally walked away from church, not because uh, I, I hated God, but I didn't think God liked me. They were always kind of, you know, I was always such a failure, so to speak, because that's what was always preached. But as I, you know, I turned to whatever group would accept me. And the group that would accept me was kind of like the long-haired, you know, druggies that did things. And I did what they did, not because I wanted to do the drugs, or, but because I wanted to be accepted. And the only group that would accept me was these people. Mm -hmm. 
And so uh, I did that. And, and, you know, as you come, as you kind of come back from some of that, and, you know, when I came back to the Lord, which truly, I really wasn't away from him, but they talked me out of it. God was with me the whole time. Now, I'm not saying that that lifestyle is acceptable. I'm just saying the Lord never left me. But when I came back, it's like, okay, I got delivered from this. And I, and I started working with people who have been in addiction programs. I started seeing the thing that drove them to addiction was, they'll say, you know, their program's a lack of self-esteem. It's really a mistaken identity that does that. But a sense of lack of self-esteem, value, worth, that really the Holy Spirit does in the New Covenant when He convicts us of righteousness, that we are accepted in the Beloved. But if you don't have that, you're going to look for some kind of approval and acceptance. Yeah. But so what I begin to realize is that what was driving me in the world in sin and even with any kind of addiction you might have was the same thing that was driving me in ministry because I kept on looking for approval and acceptance. And I would think to myself, man, if I could preach for this guy, I would finally feel affirmed. I would feel accepted. And then I'd preach for that guy. And then I'd think, that's not enough. I need to preach for this one. And then I'd preach for him and this is not enough. I need to preach for this guy. And so this thing was driving me. And even when ministry, we think, well, uh, let me just, let me flow in the gifts. Let me, let me show them what I can do. See, that's the wrong, that's moving out of a false identity. Yep. Let me show off my gift, my talent, because I want, I'm going to be the great preacher. And I'll never forget, and I know I'm taking a long time to introduce this, but I believe this is really important today. I'll never forget that, you know, uh, as I come through that, struggling with identity, preaching for this one, getting bigger ministry, bigger ministry, that uh, I stood on the platform of one of the largest churches in America. I'm not going to say it because dropping names helps you and hurts you. So the only name I want to drop today is the name of Jesus. <laughs> and that's the only one that will help you every time. Yep. But I preached on some huge platforms. But I'm standing on this platform, and this church was a mega church. And, and, and uh, the Lord said to me, son, if you're looking for the affirmation and the approval of men, it doesn't get any bigger than this. But if you're satisfied with my approval, it won't matter if you're preaching to 30 people or 30,000. And so that's why people will find us in venues of 15, 20, 30, and clear up to the huge mega churches of 30,000. Mm -hmm. It's because my identity is not wrapped up in who knows my name. Now, I'm telling you, there's something to be said about being delivered from that. And so, you know, as I stood there and the Lord began to say that to me, I, for the first time, began to realize it's His approval that satisfies. And then it doesn't matter what other people think about you. Now, I, 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 I grant you that Jesus increased in wisdom, stature, favor with God and with man. And so that's important. But it's not what drives me today. Yeah. Because what, what happens is if you're driven by the opinions of men, you're going to be manipulated by them. And so, but I'll never forget, I was in New York City. We were preaching at a place. And uh, I'm not sure if you were with me or not, but we were preaching at a place. They're picking us up in, in you know, uh, limos, and they've got drivers, and they're bringing us to, the, we're staying in these wonderful places. And we're preaching in this uh, fabulous place in the city of New York. And it's, I mean, you know, it's red, they rolled out the red carpet. The very following week, I, I picked up, not in a limousine, I picked up on an 18-wheeler truck. And they can't even get it up to the airport, so we got to drag my luggage kind of out on a ramp of the, of the airport, Dallas, Fort, Fort Worth, because you can't get it up there. Uh, but it really, it doesn't bother me any, it's not any different than me being picked up in a limbo. I'm just as satisfied. I just climbed up the sleeper of the truck, went to sleep on the way to where we were going to be at. But anyway, we went out in the middle of nowhere. It was three hours and something west of uh, uh, Dallas, Fort Worth, Cunningham, Texas. And... Uh, 
we get out there to this place and it's a, uh, it, there's no stoplights. If you could picture something from an Andy Griffith movie, you know, there's an old bench there, dogs are laid on the street and the main street because enough, not enough traffic here to, to kind of, you know, uh, make the dogs move. The building we are in is a old storefront. If you can picture again something from an Andy Griffith movie, uh, it was an old storefront that had the store, it had a store that was functioning in it. The post office was in it. The bail bondsman was in it. And the church was in it. They would just close all that down, set up chairs, and they would, uh, you know, have church in this building. And it's an older building. And I'm thinking to myself, Lord, there's nobody coming. I mean, there ain't no people here in this town. And I said to the guy traveling with me, I said, man, I don't know where the people are going to come from because I said, man, there can't be that many people in this town. Looked up on the wall and there's a hog head hanging on the wall where somebody had had a trophy hog. And I leaned over and said to him, we in hog heaven tonight. And in this old storefront building, if you could picture this, I'm sitting in this old storefront building and this place starts, people start coming from everywhere. They pull in there in va buses, vans, they come from Oklahoma, New Mexico, Dallas, they come from all over and pack this building until this building is so packed and it's leaning already. And I'm thinking, I hope this building can hold up to this kind of pressure. But I'll never forget sitting in that building and the Holy Spirit said to me, you have preached in a lot of great cathedrals, a lot of great cathedrals that are full of empty storehouses. But tonight you're going to preach in an empty storehouse that's full of great cathedrals. And my mind shifted from the venue I'm in to the value of these people. And all of a sudden I begin to realize it's not about my reputation. It's not about who knows my name. And it set me free to do exactly what I'm doing because I could modify my message. I know I'm talking a lot, but I feel like the Holy Spirit really wants me to say these things. I could modify my message and instantly be accepted by huge platforms. But I feel like Moses. I feel like God has called me to suffer with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of missing the mark for a season. I was in Tulsa and the Holy Spirit said to me, Moses chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin, which means missing the mark for a season, because he had great respect to the recompense of the reward. And that really spoke to me personally. Because here's Moses, who was the heir apparent to the throne of Pharaoh, without any pressure, could have taken over, lived in the plushness of the palace, and had the biggest ministry in the world, so to speak, and stay there. And there's nothing wrong with having a big ministry. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if you have a big ministry, you better have this settled in your heart. And so what he said was that he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin, which means missing the mark. The missing of the mark was to remain in the plushness of the palace, and it's good for me. Mm -hmm. Or he left the palace one day and made the mistake of go seeing the condition of his people. And then he realized I wasn't born to live in the plushness of the palace, I was born to set God's people free. Yep. I feel the Holy Ghost in here today. Because the, I'm telling you, I was born to set God's people free. And in order to do that, sometimes you've got to leave the plushness of the palace. Sometimes you've got to walk off the big platforms and preach in the empty storehouse because you have re respect to the recompense of the reward. And what drives me is not who knows my name or how many people watch my TV program or how many books have I written. It is that I am handing my children 
and my grandchildren a freedom, and I'm setting God's people free. And it may not be good for me. It may send me on a 40-year camping trip with three to six million people who don't even want to go camping. And it may not be the most pleasant thing, but we were born to set God's people free. It's that kind of identity that I believe God wants to settle in real leaders today that are going to lead God's people into what Jesus did when he came up out of this testing. He wasn't coming to prove nothing to nobody, but he came out in the power of the Spirit, and the miraculous came, and the religious rulers said, let, or the religious devils started screaming, let us alone. What have we to do with you? You will upset religious devils when you're not worried about your reputation. You know who you are. And I've, I've talked enough. I'm going to let you jump in there. I just think that really ought to speak to somebody today. No, you know, one of the things, I mean, that's something that you, that because we have got to watch that, and even not just with you, but from our grandfathers, not, you know, just your dad, but mom's dad as well, who were both ministers. Uh, they were always true they they were always true to what they believed more than they were that's what drove them yeah they Not, stayed in their side you know my it, uh my grandfather miller would preach in uh in tents you know because that's what he and he did he traveled in the bus till almost the time he died and yep. he would if if he wouldn't have he would have went right back on the road you know at the time when he was he did that because he believed absolutely in what he was preaching yeah uh he was driven by what he believed was true that god was showing him uh my grandfather housed the same way and they've instilled that into to you and that and that's become something that's part of us i was uh with you not too long ago <clears throat> in a big church uh, surrounded by people that uh, pastors that had that were pastors. I mean, this room was full of pastors, and it was a big room full of pastors, and each one of them represented big churches. And I'm sitting back in one of the. Uh, they had made meal, they had made meals after the service, and we're sitting back there. And one of the guys looked at me and says, uh, "You know," and he probably had you know thousands, uh, thousands in his church. He looks at me and says, "Well, how big is your church?" And uh, I laughed and I said, "Well." Uh, I've got about 15 right now, but I'm not sure if they'll all show up next time, you know, so. And I'm proud, uh, and of, I'm proud of that. Because one of the things is like, it's to me, it's not about, you know, and, and yeah, it, you as, as a minister, as a pastor, you always want there to be more people to hear what you have to say, because especially for me, because I feel like what I have gives life. Yeah. Uh, but if that's... It, it sets it, God's people. But, but that's not what drives me is not the numbers. What drives me is that, the message that is in my heart is something that I believe. It's not just something I believe, it's something that's setting me free and setting you know, my family free where, you know, like I said, I, as a couple programs ago, you know, there was a time in my life where I was legalistic in my belief, but I was kind of miserable at it. Mm -hmm. uh, now I've come to a place where it's not, it's not about legalism. I've really come to a place where uh, I really love God, not because yep. I have to, yep. you know, or not because I'm fearful of Him, but because I really have come to this place to realize there's a song that's real popular right now. He's a good, good father. Yeah, uh, I, I've come to that place where I really realized that to be true of him. And so I, 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 the things that I preach, the things that I do are because that is settled in my heart. Uh, when you, you know, so like for me, I said, you know, I talked about the following of the Holy Spirit. For me, there's there, our church, if, if you ever have the opportunity to be there, it, it is 
is different. Uh, it's it's just uh, we're we're I don't that's all I can say. We're you just, just got your own DNA. It's just what that's we right. are, and 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 it's not because I'm I want to. It's not because I'm trying to be different or because I'm trying to uh, be against the system. Because I'm not. I I I love church. I love you know. On we have our church on Mondays, and there's times on Sunday mornings we'll go to my aunt Lisa's church just because I you know it's it was my grandfather's church up my family's there and I I still love the atmosphere you know yeah. I, I love the fact that my daughter can show up there on Sunday morning and and she's going to dance up in the front and and they're going to have Sunday school and, and that kind of stuff I love that stuff I have nothing against yep. that you know I know that sometimes you know every you know got a lot of young ministers that are it's almost like well, we got to be completely rebel against the system my my difference in our church is not because I'm rebelling against the system it's just simply because I, this is the the leading of the Holy Spirit that I feel to do and so I don't know what that looks like I don't know you know how where, what is what the end result of it is I just know that I'm following what I know in my heart but what has made it easier for me to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit is because that is something that we were that was an example that we were showed that you know one of the things my my grandfather would always say if it's if it's if it's not real for you it's not reality for That's people right. and one of the things is that that for me that the Holy Spirit and what I'm experiencing in Christ this identity is very real for me and I find that when I speak it becomes reality for people it's absolutely changing people's lives and they're being affected by it not because you know and, and yeah it's like you said sometimes it it means that you don't look as successful as some people. You know, I've got friends too that their their churches are growing by leaps and bounds, and and uh, they got all kinds of stuff. But then I realize sometimes they got more headaches than I do. It's you know, so you know, that, I'm sure those things are fun. But it, what I'm finding this is fun too for yeah. me. Uh, I preached the message one time, and I know this sounds crazy, but when Jesus walked on the water. Uh, there was really, of all the miracles and the things Jesus did, the walking on water really never, didn't really have a, did, as far as when I read, really didn't have a purpose to it. You know, yeah, it was in yeah, the middle yeah. of a storm. It, it didn't, you know, he didn't heal nobody through it, you know, or anything like that. He just, he's walking on the water. But when I, when I began to read it, I talked about how it was in the middle of a storm. I thought about the ups and downs of the waves. And I thought, you know, I think the reason why Jesus came walking on that water was because he wasn't trying to prove anything. It was because it was fun. Mm -hmm. Because there was an enjoyment. Mm -hmm. And the reason why whenever Peter said, Lord, if that's you, call me to come out, I think the reason that Jesus called Peter out on the water was not even to test his faith or anything like that. It was because there was a response to Peter that he's like, you know what, I want you to come out here and enjoy this with me. Because this is fun. Mm -hmm. And I want you to have fun with me. And so, you know, sometimes we, we are so intimidated about what people think in ministry of trying to be like somebody else. And my church needs to grow. And if your church ain't growing, you ain't successful. Or you're not, you know, the Holy Spirit it must not be working and that's not the case if if the following of Jesus and the walking with Jesus at times isn't fun then maybe it's time to re-examine mm -hmm. even how we're doing some stuff because if we're losing our passion for for people if we're losing our passion uh, for what we're preaching in the pursuit of trying to have bigger ministries then we're losing the real focus of what Jesus 
called us to be because this yeah. wasn't just called this we wasn't have called, been to, called to build ministry we've been called to build people we've been called to build people and it should be there should be an enjoyment to that yeah sometimes I show up and 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 nobody sometimes you know and I'm, I'm just gonna be honest sometimes I show up to church and nobody shows up yeah and we go home but I'm still but I'm still going to come back to next week I'm still going to have a message prepared yeah. and I'm still going to share what I feel like the Lord has laid on my heart and I know it's going to set people yeah. free yeah. and if I have to if, if I show up that night nobody shows home up and I go home I still I you know, most of the time my brother rides with me to church and we usually have a good time anyway so it's a fun ride if nothing else so you know just you know I think what we're coming to a place of saying is that just enjoy this journey yeah and not get caught up in in trying to make a name because the name that's on you is greater than any name you know it's the name of Jesus that we're we're really trying to lift up and that's the name that's greater than any other name so if our if we're trying to make our name greater than that then yeah well, that that's a failure in itself but if we're trying to lift up the name of Jesus then it will produce success and it may not look like everybody else's success you yeah. know I think one of I think you know my for my family my grand for my grandfathers now their greatest successes is not the churches they built or uh, the ministries that they helped their greatest successes was the family their families they affected that's right that are still serving the Lord and doing the and things and are, and are happy to do it so mm-hmm. you know sometimes our effectiveness and sometimes our success is not determined determined about the buildings or the size of the churches or the size of the platforms we stand on. It's, are, is our children affected to the point that they're, they're loving God and they want to follow in this same path? Yep. And that's, I think that's the legacy and, and the inheritance that's been left And I me. believe that was the recompense of the reward that Moses saw. Yep. That he saw, listen, there's some long-term stuff here. Yep. The world we now live in. Yep is the world I framed 20 years ago with what I preached. I know that may sound arrogant, but the words that we speak frame worlds. The joy that we have of the journey, the joy that we have of the rest of God and the grace of God and the peace of knowing I'm secure in my relationship with God is the world we live in because we framed it with our words. The promise of Abraham, you met, you mentioned it yeah. several episodes ago that uh, through you all, all families and all nations of the world will be blessed. Yeah. And that's really, to me, that's what's taking place. The more we just simply preach Jesus, my family's yeah. blessed. Yeah. Uh, and I don't just mean I don't mean that just financially. I mean we're blessed yeah. in that the happiness that yeah. we have yeah. and the enjoyment of life that we have and just the peace that's in our home. Uh, one of the things my wife and I say is that you know in our house there's really no drama. Yeah. It's a drama-free environment. Yeah. Uh, you know we've I've seen marriages fall apart even in the short time we, my wife and I, we've been married less than ten years. I think next year it'll be ten. But uh, you know in that that short amount of time I've seen marriages fall apart and all kinds of of just uh, uh, tragic things that should not have taken place yep. taken place uh, but just simply uh, we've just simply just uh, preached the gospel and, and been true to what we know to be the truth yeah and it's it's caused our, our, our family to be blessed and that's all God asks us to do is be faithful you know I was thinking while you were saying that and this has been a great program but Charles Simpson uh, was at our conference this year and he preached a word uh, on the power of small that was just phenomenally spoke to me and as Jeremy shares with us, sometimes, you know, we cut and paste what we see other people do. We call that our vision, and it's really not ours. It's the peer pressure to try to be like other people rather than to have our DNA. But, but Charles preached a word, and he talked about the power of small. And it was so powerful because he talked about how a small group, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel, were four men who got together and prayed three times a day, and they ended up running the country. 
So never forget the power of small. If you're a pastor watching today and you don't have a big church, listen, four men got together and prayed, ended up changing the world ended up running the country. If God ever needs the power of small, it's today, because we can certainly pray and change our world. We're running out of time. Uh, if you'd like to get behind what we're doing, uh, take a moment to call that number on the screen. I believe you, your heart's been touched today. Act on that. Uh, go to our website. You can give via credit card or debit card. You can give via check by writing to Lynn Howes Ministries and send it to the address on the screen. Or you can call that number on the screen and someone will either take your call or call you back uh, so that you can give via credit card over the phone if you'd like to. Uh, God bless you. Thank you for joining in again this week. Uh, join in again next week at the same time. God bless you. The word repentance means to change your mind. The message of John the Baptist and of Jesus was to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is accessed by a change in our thinking. If you are in outer darkness, there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That reality is not always out in the distant future. It is in people's lives right now. One simple mind shift can move you out of darkness and weeping and into light and rejoicing. God wants to wipe all tears from our eyes and replace our weeping with joy.